Well, for those of you who were at our combined service for Mother's Day last week, you can't answer this quiz because I gave it last week, but I'll give you another one here in a minute, if that's okay. Okay, for those of you who were not there, this is for you. Who was the greatest female financier in the Bible? Remember a few weeks ago I said who was the greatest financier and it was Noah. But now who's the greatest female one? You give up? Some of you know it. <laughs> from last week. It was Pharaoh's daughter. Remember she went down to the bank of the Nile and drew out a little profit? <laughs> oh, you guys need prayer today, I see that. Okay, here's one that'll get you thinking while you're turning in your Bibles for the good stuff to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers, remember, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Revelation, Numbers, Numbers chapter 13. Okay, here's the riddle. What do you call two young married spiders? Yes! I asked her to go sit on that side this morning. And she, she didn't. She wouldn't do it. Newlywebs. They haven't got it yet over here. No. <laughs> no. Oh, oftentimes, there, you know, I've been a Bible teacher for many, many years, pastor for 47 years, and I've learned that there's a lot of different ways you can look at the Scripture and, and preach the Word. I did a lot of verse-by-verse -verse exposition, usually during the week when I went through Bible, uh, went through uh, Bible books. Uh, in uh, Bible studies, had a lot of them, and uh, done that from the pulpit too, and uh, topical and what have you. One, one such study is character sketch. That's what we're going to do today, and we're going to look at the life of Caleb. And uh, there's a danger here. So let me give you the danger first. The danger is that you look at this life and you think that there's some kind of super saint. You missed the whole point. They're people just like you. Remember what James said about Elijah? He was a man of like passions. Elijah wasn't perfect, and neither was Caleb. And uh, so, the, But there are things in Caleb's life that challenge me. We want to look at that today. And there were things that he did that, that uh, I believe... Uh, and his heart that uh, is a challenge to me and I believe a challenge to you as well. Thank you, Lord, for our time together around the Scriptures. We're grateful again for the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Thank you for this church with these wonderful people and pray that you'll continue to guide and bless and direct them in the choices and uh, direction that they make in these days. And meanwhile, here's the word we ask you to speak to us as we open our hearts. And may the Holy Spirit illuminate the truths. And may we allow application in our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, 
and Joshua, the son of Nun. You know, those two guys were pretty famous. You remember them from Bible school, don't you? Remember, they were sent in to spy out the land. Here, God had wondrously bought, brought Israel out of Egypt. And the, all the miracles of the Exodus, and wow, bada boom, bada bing. But sometimes we have a, a notoriously short memory, and uh, many of the Israelites did as well. So anyway, God has brought them up almost to the brink of the promised land. And we pick up the narrative there in Numbers 13 and 14, where 12 were picked to go spy out the land. Remember what they brought back? Who remembers what they brought back? What's that? Yeah. One cluster of grapes on a stick that two guys had to, had to uh, carry. And it was truly a land flowing with milk and honey, but there was other things there. And uh, you know that's, you know that song. Do you remember that song when you were a kid? Twelve young men went to spy out Canaan. Ten saw bad and two saw good. What? <clears throat> okay. Twelve young men went to spy out Canaan. Ten saw bad and two saw good. Remember it now? Come on, I'll be 71 this year and I remember it. What did they see when they spied out Canaan? Ten saw bad and two saw good. Some saw giants big and tall. Some saw grapes in clusters fall. Some saw God was over all. Ten saw bad and two saw good. Now when you have VBS, you can teach that to the, to the children. That's a good song because what that talks about is 12 went in there and two knew that God was bringing them in there and trusted him in faith believing. Ten, all they saw was the giants in the land and they were big. So did you get your little uh, sheets Apparently, I'm not sure I ran off enough. Everybody got one? We had a few more bulletins than outlines, but anyhow. Uh, learning from an Old Testament teacher. Now, Caleb, again, as I told you, he was, he was not perfect. But there are five things in his life that is a challenge to me and I hope is a challenge to you. Let's read Numbers chapter 13 beginning with verse 26. This is Israel on the brink of going in at a place called Kadesh Barnea. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them. These are the 12 guys that came back. And unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we said, we came into the land to which you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. Nevertheless, the people are strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled in a very great land, a very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. That was a group of people through genetics. Uh, they just were all large, very big. Anyway, verse 29. 
And the Amalekites dwelled in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites and Jebusites and the Amorites dwell on the mountains, and the Canaanites and the Millerites, are they in there? No. Dwell by the sea and by the edge of the Jordan. And so now we've got a problem. And who is the first one who spoke up for the Lord? Caleb. Now I know Joshua did too, but it was Caleb, verse, four, verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. Listen now. For we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We're not able to go against these people. They are stronger than we are. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Enoch, who come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. The people wept that night. And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Oh, what a short memory. Remember how it was for them in Egypt and the slaves? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? And where, why has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? So now they want to go back. And you can see this spreading like wildfire. You follow me? You can't think about lunch yet. Here it is, this terrible report. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and return to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were of them that searched the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to search it is a very good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Here's the key word, only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, and their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation said, uh, command, uh, demanded to stone them with stones. There's a new one. If you don't like the message that is being brought, kill the messenger. Here's five things about Caleb that I think is worth a sketch of his life. Number one, he simply believed God. He simply believed God. Remember what Hebrews 11:6 says? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith. They had the faith to know that God was with them, and they saw a God that was bigger than the giants, but the other guys didn't, of course. 
Anyway, number two, here's the second thing. He remained faithful and trusting, even when the majority did not. Well, you know what happened? God said, okay, I've had enough. Ten times you've whined about this, didn't have this, didn't have that, blamed God for this, murmured against Moses, and, and God says, no, I've had enough. You're not going to go in. He said, but the little ones, your children, I'll take them in. But this generation will not go in. You're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until you drop like flies. And the only two that I'm going to let go in of this generation is Joshua and who? Caleb. You know, Caleb's quite in. Anybody named Caleb here? No Caleb's? That's kind of a popular name these days. Anyway, <clears throat> so um, they didn't like that, and they decided to go back and say, okay, God, we, we blew it, we'll, we'll go. And he says, don't go, it's too late. You had a chance. But they went anyway, and they got beaten. And now for 40 years of the best years of Caleb's life, he had to wander around in a desert until it was time to go into the promised land and the last of that generation died. And that's, you know, Caleb could have been bitter. Something happened in his life that uh, could have made him bitter, but he, he wasn't. He remained faithful and trusting even when the majority did not. Like I said, unbelief has a notoriously short memory. They soon had forgotten what God did for them. Have you? You ever done that? You ever been guilty of the same thing where, oh, here you are in this situation and you forgot how God worked it out? I have. I mean, am I the only one? Come on now. See, we have a short memory. But Caleb knew that God was bigger than the giants, and I asked myself, do I? How about the giants in your life? I haven't met anybody that doesn't have a giant now and then. Might be fear. Maybe a stubborn bad habit. Maybe bitterness, as I mentioned. I don't know. Maybe you've been hurt somewhere along the line, and you just failed to forgive that you've been hurt so deeply. There's all kinds of things that can happen in this old life because we live in a sinful world. But Caleb realized that those giants weren't big enough to beat God. One with God is always a majority. Remember that. And sometimes the majority is not the spiritual part. It's the minority. Anyway, so Caleb remained faithful and trusting. Here's 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. Wow. Number three, he didn't get offended when Joshua was picked as leader. Deuteronomy 34.9 tells us about that. And Deuteronomy 31.7 and 8. Uh, I'll read that for you. It says this, 
And Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people into the land of the Lord, which the Lord has given you. I will not, in verse 8, I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will never leave you. So don't, and I won't forsake you. So don't be dismayed. I had kidney surgery here a few years ago. I was in the hospital for three days. I was under the knife for four and a half hours. And uh, I realized all along that God was there. I told Rob this today. We pray for the doctors, but we know who's in charge, don't we? We know who's in charge. And uh, when God promises never to leave you, that's exactly what he means. So, But Caleb was the one that first stilled the people. He, If I was in the flesh, I mean, if it was my choice in the mind that I have, I would have picked Caleb. But God doesn't do things the way we, his ways are not our way. So Joshua was picked and Caleb didn't get huffy. You know one of the 15 ingredients of biblical love in 1 Corinthians 13? There's 15 of them there. You know, love is kind, love is this, love is that. 1 Corinthians 13. You know what I'm talking about, right? One of them is love is not touchy. Love is not offended easily. When believers get offended easily. They're not walking in love. Ephesians 5 says, walk in love. There can be issues where we disagree, but to get offended at the drop of a hat doesn't fit the scenario of someone walking in the love of Christ. Caleb was one who didn't get offended. He stayed faithful. Number four. This is what I like about Caleb. His faith grew stronger as he grew older. Joshua 14, that's where you got to go in your Bibles. I want you to see this. His faith grew stronger as he grew older. Joshua 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, said to them, You know the thing that the Lord had promised Moses, the man of God, concerning me and you in Kadesh Barnea. This is 40 years later. The wandering in the wilderness is over. The rebellious congregation, probably three million of them, have died. The only one left is Joshua and Caleb. Verse 7, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to spy out the land. And I brought him word again. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I, listen now, I wholly followed the Lord my God. He didn't ask God to follow him. He wanted to follow, like we sang here, I have decided to follow Jesus. Holy, all of him. Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land that your feet have trodden shall be yours for your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. That's twice it said. And Caleb said, Now the Lord has kept me alive these forty and five years. This is 45 years later. He's 85 years old. 
Uh, while I was wandering in the wilderness, and now I am the day, this day, fourscore and five years old, verse 11. And yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength was then, so it is now, for war to go out to come in. Verse 12. Now, therefore, here's what he says. Give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard that how the children of Anakim were there. He wanted the hardest place of all where the Anakim, the giants, lived. And the cities were great and fortified. Last part of that verse. If so be the Lord be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. He didn't peter out in his faith. The older he got, his faith grew stronger. So here's a question. Is your faith growing? I hope the older I get, my faith is stronger and growing. Give me this mountain. That's where the giants live. If God is with me, I'll be able to drive them out. And he did. You can read it some other time. So his faith grew stronger the older he got. Number five. You still with me? Okay, here's the key to Caleb's life. It's recorded in Joshua 14, 14. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, upon, uh, unto this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Why would God write that three or four times in, the, in this chapter? Because he wants you and I to know that being sold out for the Lord is not a partition thing. It's not one foot in and one foot out. It's not a smattering of faith and religious stuff. It's holy following all of us, following the Lord. So the key was, if you're taking notes, he wholly followed the Lord. This, even in the difficult days of the Giants and the wilderness and the conquests. See, I believe Caleb understood the principle found in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, long before it was written. And that is this, there is power in weakness when we wholly follow the Lord. Paul understood that. Paul had weakness in the flesh. He had an eye disease, and he asked God three times, take it away from me. And God says, no, my grace is sufficient. And Paul learned that when he was weak, then he was strong, because he relied totally on the Lord. Kind of reminds me of David and Goliath, doesn't it? Who would have thunk? I mean, Goliath laughed when he saw David. But you see... We know the rest of the story. Don't you miss Paul Harvey now and then? Did you know my wife and I were on Paul Harvey News? That's right. In 1975 of March, when our second daughter was born at home in a blizzard in LaGrange, Wyoming, at Frontier School of the Bible. And I mean a blizzard, not a little five-inch snowstorm. And there was such a story behind that, it took all kinds of efforts to get a doctor in time to our house in a blizzard. 
There's a little humorous in that stuff too, but we're not going there today because it embarrasses me. It's all about me and some of the stupid stuff I did that day. So here's part that I didn't get typed on your sheet. Here's three ways to help us wholly follow the Lord. What does that mean to wholly follow the Lord? I'm going to give you three simple things. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You know this. Number one, you obey the Word of God. God did not give us suggestions. He gave us commands. There were certain things that God expects us to do. We don't get saved by works or anything like that. But the first thing you do is obey the Word of God. You say, how so? Well, when God tells you to do it, baptism. You've been saved? Have you been born again and you've not been baptized? Then you should be. It's a wonderful outward testimony of something that's already happened in your heart. How about giving? How about forgiving? Witnessing? Where are we at in obeying the Word of God? Hmm. Here's a little, well, we'll skip that for the moment. Number two, you trust the will of God, trusting the will of God in all circumstances. And sometimes it's hard. Got a little poem for you about two birds, a robin and a sparrow. Are you ready? Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why those anxious human beings rush around and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, I do think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. The birds know better than we do sometimes. How's it going on trusting him? He's worthy of our trust. God does have a purpose. I don't understand everything in life that happens. I've told you that before. The disciples didn't understand when Jesus told them certain things. He did say, you'll know more later on. I can prove that from Scripture. But, and we will too. But that's where trust comes in. First, if you're going to wholly follow, follow the Lord, obey Him. Obey the Word. When it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, then make sure if at all possible, that you meet with one another. Get into the Word and have your time of prayer and so on. Trusting the will of God in all circumstances. Remembering God has a purpose. And finally, your commitment to please God. I think of all things, I think Caleb, when he acted on certain things, and when you and I come to some things that we might have question about, ask this question. Will this please God? Will it please God? And if you got a resounding yes in your heart, do it. If you have a doubt, then don't. 100% commitment. No divided loyalties. That's what Caleb had going for him. He was going to walk with the Lord no matter what. He was going to obey the Word. He was going to trust God going in for those giants and getting them out of there. He was going to please God with his faith. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. Real service is what I desire. I'll sing you a solo anytime, dear Lord. Just don't ask me to sing in the choir. I'll do what you want me to do, dear Lord. I like to see things come to pass. But don't ask me to teach boys and girls, oh Lord. I'd rather just stay in my class. 
I'll do what you want me to do, dear Lord. I yearn for thy kingdom to thrive. I'll give you my nickels and dimes, dear Lord, but please don't ask me to tithe. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll say what you want me to say. I'm busy just now with myself, dear Lord. I'll help you some other day. That is an anonymous writer. I tried to find out who wrote that. And uh, I have no idea, but I think it makes a point. Makes a point. How about you? I think more than anything, I want my faith to grow, continue to grow as I grow older. And some of you young people, man, you're off to a great start. Keep that faith growth going. As the song is about to, we're going to flash that song up here. Higher ground, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward go. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Let's stand and sing this song. It's a great song. I'm pressing on the upward way. people said Lord I just pray that this would be the case in each heart here we're so thankful for the privilege of being born again by faith into your family being saved by the blood of the crucified one we're thankful for the empty tomb 
We're thankful, Lord, for these reminders today of what it means to count for you. Through the life of Caleb, the challenges that were presented, I pray, Lord, that indeed it would be our heights, or excuse me, our heart's desire to scale the utmost heights. And so, Lord, I pray that we leave baggage that seems to want to derail us and connect fully as Caleb did to wholly follow the Lord, to obey the word wherever we see it, and on and to honestly uh, seek your face in all things and please you in every way and trust you even when we don't understand. Not that Caleb was perfect and neither, neither are we, but these are things, Lord, that we asked that every heart would allow the Holy Spirit to reproduce in our life for the glory of God. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.